Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am so happy to have you join us today. I have an amazing guest for you to listen to, to learn from, to feel empowered from, because that is what this show is all about, where we educate, empower, entertain you a little bit, and inspire you to live a fearlessly authentic. Because coming from my whole life up until I was in my 40s, so like 20 years ago, I was afraid to take any risk. And the biggest risk I took was at 42 and becoming a single mom and starting all over again. And my guest has not let fear get in her way at all. So I can't wait to share her. And again, thank you. We have hundred over 100 countries listening to us right now. So that's super exciting. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We have a five-star rating. You can find me on all social platforms at Jody Harrison Bauer. And you can check me out on YouTube so you can see what my beautiful guests look like. And we are on with the show. So let's go. My guest today is Brooke Entz. Welcome to the show, Brooke. Thank you for having me. Many of you probably already know who she is. I've been trying to get you on the show for almost a year, Brooke. <laughs> so I am so glad you're a very busy woman. So I'm going to just introduce you, let everybody know who you are for those who do not. And here we go. Brooke Entz is a former professional CrossFit athlete and entrepreneur who has dedicated her life to promoting fitness and a healthy lifestyle. After retiring from competitive CrossFit, Brooke created the Naked Training Program that launched in 2018 with her partner, Jacob Hutton. The Naked Training app offers a variety of workouts suitable for all fitness levels from beginner to seasoned athlete. In addition to her passion for fitness, Brooke has always had a passion for performing. That passion grew into roles within the television and film industry, appearing in productions such as Justice League and Wonder Woman, as well as Fox's Network's Ultimate Tag. I can't wait to talk to you about that. <laughs> Growing up in Southern Utah, Brooke has always had a passion for ranching and livestock, as well as working with the community to promote education and resources. Recently, she has taken on the challenge for working to decentralize the food supply by joining with her partner, AJ Richards, on the organization Feed people by the people. This organization is dedicated to connecting local food producers to consumers in their area in order to provide access to regenerative ranching and healthy foods. Brooke Enns is a dedicated and passionate entrepreneur who continues to use her knowledge and expertise to make a positive impact in the lives of others. Welcome again, Brooke. What a great, uh, you've done so many amazing things in, you know, in a short period of time. I mean, yeah. at your age, I had two children and I was a stay-at-home mom and I was working out and training a few people. So um, I've been in the fitness industry as long as you've been alive. And uh, so you've done a lot. First of all, CrossFit competitor, seven competitions. 2015 was the biggest one. Tell me about your CrossFit competitions. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> I know there's so many things. I, I forget that I've, I've either done certain things or that I'm doing them. 
So right. So isn't it funny listening to your bio? Sometimes you're like, yeah. oh shit, I have done a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know. Um, so CrossFit, I obviously love it. I mean, I, I loved it. I got into it. Um, I've always played sports and been super active and danced. I was a modern dance major at the University of Utah. I danced all growing up, ballet, jazz, tap, point, um, you know, hip hop, all the things, musical theater. I started singing and dancing when I was three. And, you know, that was, that was it for me. My thing was Broadway. My thing was, you know, dancing for a big dance company. Um, within that said, and I'll just, I'll keep this part short, you know, in the world of dance. So for me, genetically, I've always been really built, right? I've always had arms. I've always been very muscular. Like, And I want to talk about that as we move on about when we get into your program, um, the way genetics falls into things. So yeah. I'm so glad that you, you touched on that. Go ahead. But with it, like with that said, you know, I always knew through dance, it's like, I knew where I, where I could dance potentially, obviously if I was good enough and I got picked and I, you know, auditioned and all the things. Right. And I knew, I knew all the places I wouldn't dance purely based off of my look. Um, and it's like, you know what you pay to play, you know, it's like, we can be upset about that, but it's just, it's just the way that it is, you know, and you're saying that I had to accept that and it sucked, but it was like, I started, I started learning. I started having to learn how to accept myself at a young, pretty young age. But truth is I didn't actually truly, I guess, get to a place where I celebrated my physique until I was in college. And honestly, until I had my cervical fusion and I was forced to have to sit out and everything I'd been working for. And I think also too, because I had this sort of rise of, <laughs> I don't want to say fame. Um, That's okay. Followers, right? Like people mm -hmm. that were also loved who I was and what I was doing and all the things relatively fast. And so I do think that a lot of that, you know, I had so much going on and so much good stuff going on, but I was just, I wasn't able to recognize that I still had all of the insecurities and things that, um, through life I had learned, right. I have ha I needed to relearn mm. <laughs> how to actually see myself differently in a, in a much better light and also accepting my differences. Right. And it was, yeah. So you were around what age you were in your twenties around this time where you had yep. the spinal fusion. I had my spinal fusion, um, 27, 2017, March 31st, 2017. Um, I was 28. Okay. I'm terrible. I'm actually really good at math, but like when I have to do it in my head, you know, I, that was like, right. Yep. Um, it's, but what you're saying, I want to just, I just want to highlight some of the things that you're saying right here. So I don't mean to stop you in your train of thought. Um, oh, you're good. But, you know, I feeling badly about being pretty, being genetically blessed, being strong in your body, being talented. It's like you don't realize that you are those things until like maybe you had that quote unquote fame, right? You had a lot of followers. You're like, wow, a lot of people see me for, I guess, who I am. And I shouldn't feel bad about that because in so many situations, attractive, accomplished, smart women tend to dim themselves from that light when they become aware of the impact they might be having 
with actually, and I know I've dealt with this from just their physical appearance stepping into a room, right? Yeah. And so it sounds like that's what you were starting to deal with when you had the surgery. Well, and, you know, with, well, you know, like on social media, most things are filled with shit comments because, yep. and I, I, what I had to start doing is I really had to start building some awareness and like reframe my mind into what reality is not the story that I'm reading because what was, what happened was, um, you know, everyone has things they might. Okay. In 2016, I went to regionals. I had after 2015 and I went to the CrossFit games, did the whole thing. I came and I, I got, I, I was picked to do wonder woman and then the justice league. And I almost turned that opportunity down when I found out they didn't film in LA <laughs> because I was getting ready to go back to the CrossFit games. Like I, I was a CrossFit games athlete now, you know, like it became an identity that I didn't did it realize for seven years. Seven and like, years? I, didn't, I didn't realize that it was my, I, it was like, I was mm. made that an identity and, but I had, you know, and having to learn and like, it's so easy. It's, it's so easy to tell someone, you know, well, that's not true. Like, don't read the comments because it's bogus. Right. It's so easy. And like, I'm, I am an individual that I have extremely good intuition. I am very good at helping people. I have a hard time not second guessing stuff about my personal life, you know? So if I have, I've had insecurities about things about myself you know, in my mind, the way it was, is like, well, I, I'm thinking that, so it's, you know, it's probably not real. It's just like in my head whatever. Well, when you, when you start reading comments where people are tearing you down about how you look, it's, you know, and the way I kind of put it is when you have this rise to fame, like people love you, right? Like they, they love something about you, whether it's your energy, um, your performance, or the, the whole thing, um, on social media, I feel like what starts to happen is, you are, we are a source of entertainment in a way for people. Right. Absolutely. And when people start feeling like they really know you and I've, I like people to, you know, I, I'm always trying to figure out the best way to share things like even like personal life stuff without sharing too much because you need to have that for yourself. Right. Absolutely. Even though everybody talks about being vulnerable and fearlessly authentic, let's just say, there are some things you do not need to share with your audience. Yeah. And, but by doing that, you know, or like trying to like be an open person without being too open, right? but you have people that follow you. And I feel like what starts to happen is they, as they know more about you, well, now they want you to be what they want you to be. Right. And so, and you can't like, I, it's like, I'm not going out trying to, it's like, we, we know this. The logic is we know this, like you can't make everyone happy. You're going to make some people mad. It's just the way that it is. I really tried to push like this. I would remind myself like, you know what? I'm not everyone's flavor, right? I'm not everyone's flavor. And, and that's okay. And, and trying to, I guess, <laughs> go through all of this sort of like social media turmoil. Cause you have hundreds of people, you know, commenting, telling me about all the plastic surgery I've had on my face. Haven't had any. Um, I just have prominent, I have high cheekbones and I have prominent features and I have small features and, you know, telling me that, <laughs> you know, all the steroid comments. And I'm like, look at pictures of my mom. Like, 
Brooke, I get it. I'm 62. I get it. I was, I had a video that I didn't even mean to talk about this, but I had a video that went viral about a year and a half ago where I showed my legs from the, from the quad down to the foot, showing the different shoes I wore at different points in my life, 30, 40, 50, and in my sixties, the, it went viral, like 5.7 million views. Why? Because everybody thought I was a man. They're like, hey, Tony, is that you? Hey, that's a dude's leg. I wouldn't want that leg around me. Meantime, my legs are my pride and joy. They have what made me famous. Like, that's how I won fitness competitions, mm-hmm. you know? And um, they finally, a year and a half later, realized, oh, you are a woman. Yes, yes, I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's always the comments, oh, well, you look that way because of all the plastic surgery. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I get it. My daughters tell me, just don't read it, mom. And I don't, I actually laugh now. So that's how I was too. You know, it's like, I I mean, years of bad comments. Right. (laughs) And finally I got to a point where like, I, I was, you know, I, after I had my spinal fusion, when that all happened, I mean, I was, I was in a dark place. I mean, I had everything that I was working for complete and like my identity was gone. And it was, it was completely out of my control. And that's something that can be very difficult for me is like when something isn't going great. Um, and I get this from my dad, you know, it's like, okay, well, it's the reality and we can't change it. Right. I can't change the past. I can't change that. I, you know, uh, I don't know. I was speaking my mind and you, it came out the wrong way or whatever it is. Like I can't change it, but what can I do? What can I do? Right. Okay. So my dad used to tell me like in school, if I got a bad grade or whatever, he would say, okay, well, you can't change it. You know, and I got in trouble and then it was, you can't change it. So what are you going to do about it? What are we, what are we going to do moving forward? You know? So like he instilled in me a long time ago, um, that mindset of we have all these opportunities every minute of every day to make a better choice. And that's all we can do. Like that's, that's literally all you can do. And what sucks is when, you know, I think it's all because of that is like super important to more people to try and build an awareness of assuming the best of people and not assuming the worst. And it's very hard to do that. And it's, and you can't make people want to do it. Right. Like you can't, like I have close friends um, in relationships where I'm like, please assume the best of me because that's what I'm doing for you instead of being, you know, considering every negative possibility or what could go wrong. It's like, you're, it's almost creating an issue when there may have never been an issue. Right. Well, and so it I, really is trying to get people to, I guess not trying at all. Um, hoping that more people will start to assume the best and not assume the worst. And especially of complete strangers, like, People want to put people like you in a box. They want to assume the worst of you and how dare you be so beautiful and fit and healthy and, and talented. So they want to put you in your box and they're like, Brooke, you stay there. Just stay there. Don't say anything, Brooke. And then we'll let you out when we feel like we can handle you. And you're, you are, you are, you are who you are. And we can't worry about those comments Mm -hmm. made yesterday or earlier today, because that's what I learned in dealing with those comments at a later age. Well, even when I was in, you know, when it wasn't social media, when I was in high school and college is that 
I didn't have the maturity to understand that that's on them, not on me. And I think, and especially being being who you are and what you do for a living and having such an impact on other people that talking about what you've gone through and how you've dealt with it helps so many other people Um, because people do want to make assumptions about somebody like you, somebody like me, and I don't mean to put us in together, but having the backgrounds (laughs) that we do, I can't sing, I could dance, but I, I, I also danced for 12 years and, um, but I can't act for shit or sing for shit. So, <laughs> um, but they want to make assumptions because maybe they don't feel good about themselves. And what I do is I try to have compassion and I try to um, just take a step back and realize that it's not about me. It's about them. And um, I think that's really helpful information for everything that you've said and everything that you've gone through and still killing it every single day being you are, you are such a competitor. You are, you compete with yourself, right? Yeah. And I think that's what other people don't understand about competitors, especially being like a CrossFit competitor. You're you're pushing yourself to be the best human being you can be in, in that competition. So I kind of want to go through your mindset because it I know it's strong, but it gets, isn't it funny how weak we get there when <laughs> people say shit about us, right? And I was just, and I will just say this, um, over time, as I was able, you know, kind of able to reframe my mindset to see things more in a, you know, glass half full versus glass half empty type of a way. Um, really, like you said, it's like, I now read, I don't really read comments at all anymore because <laughs> I'm, I've been doing social media for so long that I'm like, I'm tired. You know, <laughs> like I already, it, it, social media is an invisible race that I'm never going to win. Like it is an invisible race. Oh my God. I love that, everyone, that comment. That everyone feels like it, 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 I can't help. Like I speak for myself it feels like it's an invisible race and I'm always behind. And every time I think that I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track with it. Right. Um, something changes that is completely out of our control and it's like, cool. Like (laughs) you keep making, you keep changing the marker and I'm always, you know, and I had to get to a point where it's like, you know, with, all the different programs are, that are out there. You know, everyone, I, I want things to be successful. We work so hard on our program and, you know, there's always a new program popping up. Like you have a new influencer from TikTok that's cute and adorable and exercises. And now it's selling a program and has like millions of people following them and they all buy it. And it's like, I have literally been living and breathing this and nutrition and for so long and like so many people. And that's where I got to where I was like, well, you know what? it's people are going to come and go. It's going to be an ebb and flow. It's just the way that it is. And all I can do is try to keep just doing what I'm doing. And then every, you know, every step try and learn from mistakes and, and take, and take a better one. And that's it. Like that's, that is all that we can do as humans is we can't make people want to be better. We can't make people want to care more. We can't do any of that. All we can do is try and give them what we would want in return and hope that over time, you know, it is a, you know, butterfly effect and more people are thinking more of, uh, you know, optimistically, yeah, you know, positively. And it's, and it is, uh, and it's not easy to do. I mean, when we live in a world where we're constantly surrounded by, ex- uh, you know, stresses, whether it's uh, the news or like the reality of like the climate of our country, but beyond, <laughs> but, but really beyond that, it's, it's the stresses of, of family of kids' schedules. I don't have kids, but I have lots of nieces and nephews. And since moving back to Utah, I'm trying to be 
a really good aunt and I'm trying to help and be available because I lived in California for so long. So I wasn't here to be able to be a participant, you know, like a willing participant. And I have a very close knit family and lots of kids, (laughs) you know, and, um, it can be very hard to, I'll just this it's work to, to work on your mindset and to do that. It is work. And it's not, you're not going to do it right all the time. Like that's, you're not going to be happy all the time. You're not going to respond well all the time. And that is the reality. And that's, and it's like a hard reality because it sucks. Like when you're, when you go through something that you would have really loved to not be going through, but that's where you're at. Like it, it is hard (laughs) to have to like remind yourself that like, it's okay. You know, and that's give yourself some grace. Yes. I we need to t- give ourselves more grace and we need to give other people all of the grace. I agree. Amen. <laughs> because if we don't, if we don't do that, then what are we doing? Right. You know, if we can't do that, then we can't walk, we can't go around about our day, about our life and want things to be better when all we're doing is put giving out bad energy or breaking. Right. It leaves, it leaves you very empty. You know, I just, I had a studio for many, many years. And, you know, when I realized that the tank was empty, it was time to stop actually physically training women because the tank was empty after 30 something years and, you know, and you want to focus on other things. So I I completely understand everything you're saying. I want to go back to your mindset because I know that's really important to you. So when you were competing in the CrossFit competitions, did you, was it, did you realize that you had that, that tough mindset, that competitive mindset, given the way you grew up, always involved in sports, where did you have to amp it up? And how did you stay in the zone as far as your training goes and, and competing because, and also because you did compete in physique shows as well, right? (laughs) I did before, before I um, got into CrossFit. Yeah. Okay. Before, before, before I found, yeah, before I had found it and then it was perfect for me, you know? The, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, I didn't start competing until I was 47. So, and then I, that's when I realized I had this very strong mindset. So that's why I was curious to ask you, because I think we struggle with a lot of the same things. And so to help the people listening to the show right now, if they're struggling and they're an athlete or not, when you're in that zone, let's let's use CrossFit. We can maybe talk, go back and forth to the physique competitions too. When you're training, I understand it, but if you could explain your mindset yeah. during the training and then with the shows and the competitions. Yeah, I'll try and do like a brief because my mindset got stronger and mm. I can tell you some of the things that I had to do to create that for myself. So I found CrossFit back in 2009. I was... I was dancing and I was asked, I was invited to come audition for a show called La Rev. It's in Vegas. I don't even know if it's still running. I assume it is. It's at the wind, more of like a Cirque du Soleil type show. Mm. And it was actually a ball for the ballroom, like the, the lead ballroom dance position. It was like, and I had never done ballroom, but I'm an athlete and I'm, I've done all types of dance and I know how to show up. So I did a really good job. I made it all the way through the audition, right? But to get ready for it, I didn't really know what I was should be doing. And I was asking around. I lived in Southern Utah. I lived in Salt Lake City, but I am from Southern Utah and I was home and I'd found, you know, someone recommended a CrossFit gym. I went there um, and then, you know, I ended up coming back and like really enjoying it. What I love the most about it for me 
is my whole, almost my whole life. Obviously not whole life. Cause when I was little, I didn't give a shit, you know, you're just little and you're enjoying life and you're, you're loving people and you're, I was a social butterfly and all these things. Um, but I finally felt like I had found this community where it had like, you were someone praising you or loving you or supporting you or cheering you on had nothing to do with how you looked. It had to do with your, you know, with your commitment. It had to do with your try. It had to do with your performance. It had to do with like little wins. And also on top of that, it was the first time I had been somewhere where no one looked at my physique and thought, ooh, or you know, because I grew up, I got everybody, teeth. she is a gorgeous, gorgeous body, <laughs> fit as you know what? I mean, like stunning. And um, I had, you know, I had deep insecurities about how I looked from a young age. I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that it was actually doing more damage to me subconsciously than it, than it was. I, I didn't know, you know, and, but I will say I, you know, I grew up kind of thinking like God messed up, like that. I, I looked different because you were muscular. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I got teased a lot and even in high school, but like the boys were always like, you know, commenting on how big my arms were and I was bigger than everybody else. And, um, you know, my mom is very, very strong woman. I mean, and like fiery woman and Mm. also really emotional, like just like me. (laughs) And, you know, she would do her best of like telling me like, they're just jealous. You know what you tell your kids, like, you know, don't listen to them. They're just jealous and they're just mean. And, and you, it, reinforcing the beauty be yourself, right. Just be yourself and, uh, all those things. But when I started, I had, you know, fast forward, I was competing and doing CrossFit and I was on the team and I was trying to figure it all out. And I'm not an endurance athlete, right. The stuff that I grew up doing, playing sports, soccer, softball, gymnastics, I swam on the swim team and I danced and I sang, but, and there were so many things I wanted to do that I never got a chance to do. Cause my, I told my, I wanted to do everything. My parents would be like, Brooke, you can't do it all. And I'd be like, yes, I can, I can do it all, you know, but turns out you can't because right, as you get older, right. things that you enjoy, they take up more time. And then you add your whole like school, like you don't have the hours in the day and your parents definitely don't have the hours in the day to get you to all the things. Right. And you have to, you have to down it and you have to choose what really really, really works for you. Yep. By the way, I, I tried Latin dancing for six months last year. Did you love it? Um, I did, but I loved being in the gym more. Yeah. And it took so much time, an hour to get to the studio, Ugh. two hours dancing, competitions that would take me away for a weekend. Um, my goal was to win. So I placed third, I placed second, and I placed first. And, and you're like, like, bye. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm now back to the gym because yeah. I was giving up gym time to dance. Mm-hmm. And I knew that at 61 years old, I wasn't going to become a world Latin <laughs> yeah. champion. Yeah. Like you had to start when you were 12. Yep. So Man, anyway. they, they're, they're wild too. They're oh, you so have no good. idea. Those you. little kids. I'm, I'm, I get sucked into watching videos and I'm just like, oh, it's, it's incredible. I'm the same way. I have so much respect for their, for their um, focus on it. And Anyway, go ahead. Right. So I understand, right. You have to focus on a few things, not on everything. Cause you can't be good at everything, yeah. but we can certainly try, but yeah, it's like, you know, I, I can't be, it's like, uh, well, actually I won't even, I was going to make the comparison to like, I always tell people cheesecake factory, right? <laughs> if you want good pizza, 
why would you go to Cheesecake Factory? It's right. good. Like all the food's good, but none of it's great. Why? Because they have, they give you everything. They have pasta, Mexican food, burgers. Like, I mean, all these types of food and you can't be the best at those things when you're good at everything. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, the way, when I competed in CrossFit. You don't want to be mediocre. Yes. Um, but I fast forward, I moved to Santa Cruz with my boyfriend at the time, then became a husband, ex-husband. So I've also had a lot of, you know, we have life. Life is fucking yes, hard. Life. <laughs> um, I remember so I was at the CrossFit. I want to go back. Wait, wait, oh, don't. Yeah. When, yeah. when you were competing, this was where, because I think it's a really good point, And I, I want to elaborate a little bit more on it. That CrossFit, when you finally got into the CrossFit, started competing in CrossFit games, that's where it sounds to me that you were thinking, I belong here. Yeah. Nobody's making me feel weird about what I look like, my body. You can just, that, just be. Right. You know? <laughs> and right. Just be. So it kind of felt like this is the communicate community that I, I belong in right now. This is where I feel most like me, acceptable, accepted. And, and you ended up thriving in that, mm-hmm. in that community and winning. How many competitions did you win? Oh, well, I only, well, okay. How many did 2015? I win? 2015. I think I won, won. I, I won the regionals in 2015 right. all, out of all of California. Wow. And then I, I placed 14th at the CrossFit games. I had two wins at the CrossFit games, the um, speed snatch ladder and the max clean and jerk. I won both of those at the time when I was competing, especially even gearing up to compete in 2017. And then I had to sit out for the season. I was the strongest I had ever been. Um, I was, this is from my coaches, not from me. Cause I don't look at stats and I don't like to compare myself to other people because as an individual athlete, I did team before I became individual, but as an individual athlete, it's like you, you can't compete with everyone next to you because it, it's, it's obsolete. Like it, what they're doing and what, they, when you get to a competition, you are as fit as you're going to be yep. there's. So the only thing you can do is be smart. You got to be smarter. Don't work. It's not work harder. It's be smarter. Mm-hmm. right? You have to be smart. You have to be honest with yourself. Like you go to a competition, I put in the work. This is the work I've put in. Okay. Where are my pitfalls? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to win the workout? And where could I really lose the workout based off of my ability, my capability, where I'm at in my, you know, in my fitness level and in the different skills and things like that. Um, so that type of thing is definitely a mindset practice of giving yourself grace and, and realizing the reality, Right. We get so, it's so hard to step out of whatever it is you're in, whatever turmoil, whatever job or experience you're going through. It's very difficult to step back and look at it objectively and just the reality without any sort of like, you know, judgment. There should be some judgment if you're trying to learn from your, you know, your past competition, you're trying to learn from whatever but it's about like work with yourself, not against yourself. And you can thrive and, and, you know, and you may not end up on the podium, but you will do better than you thought you could. And you'll, you'll enjoy it. You know, I've competed and done really well, but because my mindset was, you know, it was more like, well, this in particular was when I competed after surgery and I I qualified for regionals and I was absolutely terrified. I mean, terrified because I was, I was never going to be, I had to accept the fact that like, okay, Brooke, it was so hard to train and get back into the gym. And I mean, cause I couldn't before surgery, I couldn't hold my weight on a pull-up bar. I had no grip strength because my nerve damage. And then I couldn't even pick up 
like a 95 pound deadlift. Okay. There was, did you, how did you injure yourself? I don't really know. Okay. I, um, over time, uh, okay. the, with, through trying to figure it out because I have so much body awareness from my dance background, of course, you know, and I never got injured. I would have some like, you know, if I wasn't getting enough, wasn't doing enough body work and I would be doing a ton from the front rack or overhead, I'd get locked up. Like, you know, like your muscles get tight and your, your biceps tendon will like maybe get impinged and you'll have some like pain there, but that's just, you know, you take care of it and you get body work. And, but I never, because of my dance background, I never really had real, the areas that are like, you know, we're going to be problematic. And even when I got, when I found out I was injured, my coaches were like, I move so well that you can't see that something could be off because I moved so well, you know? And the only thing we could attribute it to was back in 2014, when I first was training to do individual, which I was terrified. And I'll come back to that for like mindset stuff. Cause that's really where it started. Um, I had, I was, I coached full-time and I would train in between classes and I was doing some, I want to say it was maybe behind the neck jerks and into overhead squats and things like that. So if anyone is, doesn't know what that is, barbell on my back, pretty heavy weight, hands out slightly wider. Cause it's going to go overhead and you dip drive and the bar ends up over your head and you can stand there for a jerk is what we call it. Or you overhead squat it. So the bar's overhead and you're going to squat below parallel, stand up, take it for a ride. Right. Um, I'm hypermobile in my shoulders. I always have been. And this particular time, I think I can't remember because it was a long time ago. If my hands were either slightly too wide or they were slightly too narrow for me, it doesn't matter because I'm hypermobile. But what did matter is when I lowered the bar back down, because my, I think my hands were too, slightly too narrow that I almost couldn't, right. I can push it up, but right. to lower it right. was almost like they were too narrow. I needed it to come back here. So I could bring it back to my shelf. And when I say shelf, you guys, it's my shoulders, right? Like shoulder to shoulder men have a really nice shelf for lowering weight too. Yep. <laughs> and, um, so I kind of dropped it and it, it obviously landed on my neck and I didn't get hurt, but I got scared. Mm. And from that day on, I never lowered weight to my, to my, like my back without jerk blocks. I just never lowered it you know, because for me, it was like not worth it. And I had heard stories about like, you know, people getting like bulge discs or thing like that. And, um, that was in 2014. So <laughs> that's the only, and that's the only thing that you could think of that would, because you are, thing. yeah. I mean, when you're so hyper aware of every, every part of your body, being a dancer, being an athlete, you know, how your body should feel all the time. And it's just that one second, literally one second where you're like, fuck, I yeah. might've just done something. And so the only thing I can think of is if like, maybe that was the start of a little bit of a bulge. Right. Mm. And then just over time with any amount of pressure, you know, bracing any amount of pressure or of course, handstand pushups, everyone's like handstand pushups. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If anyone is listening to this and you want to do the whole, well, yeah, cause CrossFit, I hear what you're saying but you have to hear what I'm about to say. You pay to play. And a strong body is healthier than a not so strong body. It will beat it out anytime. You will recover from injury faster. You have to be strong. You have to build muscle. That is what protects everything, you know? But again, we pay to play. If you're going to go to the gym 
and you're going to the gym all the time, you're going to, you're paying to play. You're going to pay to play. You know, if you're going to the gym and you're trying to be a bodybuilder or physique competitor, whatever it is, or maybe it's not even the gym. I had a friend that left CrossFit. He's not my friend anymore, but long time ago left CrossFit because he didn't really like the way the, you know, the classes were. And he felt like he was at a gym that was very high competition. And I think that, I mean, when I started my program, it's not for competitors, people do it and they compete. Right. It's not for competitors because we just really want to focus on everybody else. Like if you're a competitor, we are a very small percentage of all the people that train to feel good and look good. And I think like when CrossFit was really like at the height of CrossFit, a lot of people were joining the gyms and then they were, as we call them, weekend warriors, and they were having all these injuries. So CrossFit was getting a bad name for, for all of you saw all of that. And it's, it's because you cannot, and you can get into this more, mm. um, just comment on it about how you, you have to train, you have to train accordingly to what you're going to do. If that is your goal to compete in compete in CrossFit, then you need to train that way. You can't just train on the weekends. Of course, you're going to hurt yourself. Because. And also too, like be, be realistic, you know, right. like, I think that it's really cool for like local competitions. Yeah. I think that people that aren't trying to like go to the CrossFit games, right. But they are competitive, you know, whether it was they any sort of thing they did growing up, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, in business, but if you have that competitive nature, it's a, it's a wonderful place to be able to enjoy that, like revel in it a little bit but you have to be aware, right? Like it's so, it's so easy. And, and listen, not all coaches are created equal. That's just the way that it is. Like it, it is not all teachers are created equal. Some teachers are like, they can, you understand what they're saying. You know, they're, they make you feel good. You get excited about learning. You have teachers that make you feel dumb and they, they don't put in the time to maybe learn the different learning methods and that you have students that are different. Right. And so there's all these different things that, it's just the reality is that we have, it's a, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. And if you're in a CrossFit gym and I have one of my very good friends, um, Daniel and Bailey, if you guys are, you know, into like the bodybuilding world, you probably know that name. And she got rhabdo. She was, she went to a CrossFit gym. She was so excited and she trains absolutely hard. Okay. The way she trains is very much like, um, the way we do in like, you know, any sort of like metabolic conditioning workouts, it's like high, you know, it's, you're not, you're not resting a ton, um, within her, even like doing not thrusters and not pull-ups and not doing this 21, No, you can do whatever. Okay. You can build out your workout however you want, but in a sense where she is no rest in between, like moving through giant sets, moving through supersets. So she's get that high heart rate, like a hit workout, but with heavy weights. Yeah. That's tough. she was super excited. She was texting me. She went to this gym and well, then I get a text from her and she's having some, she's really bloated. She's telling me like through her core and she does not carry like water. She was full of water. Right. And I immediately was like, send me a photo. And I said, take, go pee and tell me what color your pee is. And she sent me a photo and well, first, no, even before I, I said, send me a photo, but I said, Emil, I go, what was the workout that you did? Mm, right. And as soon as she told me, I knew it. I knew what it was. It was a, because I know she is an athlete. She was a, she was a competitive. She was a college. She was a collegiate soccer player. I mean, this girl is motivated. Okay. And she's not, not in shape. She is in shape. She does all kinds of training. So 
you know, this is a perfect example of like her going into a gym. Clearly, if you look at her, you're like this is not her first day, right? Right, right. And I can empathize with the coaches at the gym because there's, you know, they're trying to make, I'm assuming, assessing things, you know, someone new, but big name, big athlete, right. competitor. Like that's, you know, nothing. She's done like all kinds of different movements and all different pieces of equipment and all these different things. But the workout was a fight gone bad style, um, which is you work for, I think I want to say maybe it's like two minutes or something like that. It's been a long time, but you have different stations. You work at that station and then you rotate. And then there's one short rest station at the end. And you go through this. I want to say eight times. I don't even remember, but you go through it a lot. Okay. So I found out what workout she did and the movements and she did GHD sit-ups. And I was like, go to the doctor. So what was because she GHD sit-ups, how you get rhabdo and, um, people are listening, probably have a way more scientific way approach of describing this, but in a nutshell, it's consistent break, like breaking down of your muscle tissue and it gets into your bloodstream, right? There's way more probably that goes into that, but layman terms, that's mm-hmm. how I, you know, usually describe it to people. So a lot of people will end up getting rhabdo as runners. Mm-hmm. You, you do marathons, runners, a constant, like you're working, right. you're not pushing, you're not killing yourself. You're, you're not like pushing yourself to a point, you're not doing sprints. But if you've been training, you're doing, you're doing marathons or whatever, that is something that is pretty prominent in any sort of movement that is, you can do a lot of it over and over and over and over again. So like jumping pull-ups can be a cause of it for people. So maybe you have people doing jumping pull-ups in a, in a Metcon because you get, they get to get that pull, but maybe they're, they're not strong enough to just do pull-ups. So we do jumping pull-ups. You use your legs, you know, you jump, it helps you do the movement. Mm -hmm. So something like that, that's not super hard. You're not going to hit a wall right? You're not going to hit your, like, you're not going to burn out and be like, um, oh, it's not like a doing a strict movement where at a certain point in a strict movement, like let's say just dips, your triceps are like, I'm done. They burn out. Right. And then all you can right. do is stand there and wait. Well, if you're doing something that you can keep doing lots of reps right. in, you can risk things. You know, that's why it's important to not just jump in just because you have a background or you have like the determination to like push through that wall or through the pain, you have to be smart and think, okay, it's not that you can't do it. You hundred percent can, but how often are you doing this movement like that for those speeds and that many reps? So, so that's, for her, great. that's, that's great advice to, to, to bring awareness to people who are listening to this. Yeah. And like for her, GHD sit-ups ain't no thing. <laughs> Right. But she, I asked, but she doesn't do them all the time, mm-hmm. but she does core. She does all kinds of stuff, but she doesn't do that in her regular training, but it's not, she could do it. And she's an absolute competitor and she's not going in there to like sandbag. Right. So that was, it's like, there are things it's, there's a lot of moving parts. If it's with your nutrition, it's like, you don't, you want to Nutrition and food is medicine. That's what let's get, what it, let's is. get into that because I want to get into your coaching program. So um, the way you coach, the things that you do through your um, look better, is it look? Yeah, I have it right here. It's um, look better naked, right? Yeah, it's our naked training program. So I had a program at my studio called look better naked yeah. and a lot of women were offended. It's like, I- I'm sorry, but don't you want to look at yourself in the mirror? This is what I have to deal with. Just wait, yeah. just wait. Um, don't you want to look in the mirror and say, I would do me. 
And, yeah. you know, you right? gotta feel good. Right, right. You want to, every woman checks themselves out naked. They, or if they're not, they should. And what would you like to look in all by yourself naked? And that doesn't mean sexual at all. That just means your beautiful physique. What do you want to see when you look in the mirror? So I love that you named your program that, and you touched on different types of coaches. So what I want you to do is just share with everybody what your program is about and talk about what kind of coach you you are. Because you've talked okay. about all different kinds of coaches. Obviously, I know you're not the kind of coach who's going to make her clients feel like a piece of crap and yes, dumb. No, right. Because no. I because you've already been through that kind of stuff already yep. yourself. Right. So I will also just say, you know, this goes for my mindset around the whole thing. And I almost guarantee it goes for yours because apparently we are very similar, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about look good naked or feel good naked, whatever it is. It's not about fitting in a box. Okay. It's not about us saying, do you want to look good naked? Like me? Like you want to look like me? No, we need to talk after this show. It's regardless of what you look like. It's your mindset. And everyone knows that like, if you don't really exercise and, and I don't know the percentages, but I do know that they, you know, they talk about how women automatically have anxiety, depression, stress, all these things are way more intense and prominent for women than it are for men. And a lot of that has to do with how our brain is wired, our hormones, the whole kit and caboodle, right? It's about creating an enjoyment of health and fitness and acceptance. And it's not about fitting in a box or looking a certain way. We all are different. It's just the way that it is. And I understand wanting to have someone else's body. I understand not feeling good in my skin. You know, I understand, you know, that what I think, what I would love for on like to change on my body, it may never be in the cards for me, you know, like it just may not. And that I'm never going to have long skinny legs. I'm never, I'm never going to be able to, you know, I'm never going to have a big old butt and butts are in. And I I had, I, there was a video that we posted on my Instagram, just like from a workout, like a reel. And one of the comments was, uh, I'm not going to remember it to the T, but it basically was a comment about how now I basically outed myself in not having an ass. And this is very recent. And I was like, well, (sighs) That's what it is. I was by me. It's like, that's something that's like an insecurity for me. And what I tend to do, or I try to do because I feel like it helps take power away from people's comments is if there's something like, for instance, like I know I don't have a, butt, and I know that I would want to have one, but it's like, if I can say it all of a sudden, whatever you say, it don't matter because I already, I've already accepted it. Right. You know it. You've called yourself out on it. I've already accepted it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's helpful when you train women, especially who have insecurities about different parts of their bodies, because every woman does. We all do. You do. I do. And, you know, I always just quickly, I always loved my legs until people started telling me that I had manly legs. Yeah. Then you're like, wait, 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 are they, are they? Right. Or like I have big biceps. I'm like, okay, well, I'm really happy that I have these biceps now at, at my age, but 
it's, it's, you know, it's a journey, right, Brooke? Mm -hmm. It's a journey and it's a journey for the, the women. I don't know if you train men as well, but for the clients that you train and you sound very empathetic because of what you've gone through, that you can take your, your, what you've been through and help your clients even better. Yes. Trying to, again, it's like, I'm just one day at a time right? <laughs> trying right. to, trying to do better than I did. Every exactly. Time. Exactly. So tell me about your podcast. All right. So we started, I have a podcast called Between the Reps with Brooke and Gina, but now it's Brooke, Gina and Devin. And you talk with Devin. Yes. Um, really because when I'm, when I moved home back to Utah and having, and going through a lot of tough things, um, doing it over zoom, like that's our only way of doing it. But we, I, we had been joking, me and Gina had been joking about podcasts. Gina's my best friend. She's 54. And we had joked about it and we wanted to call in our, in our make-believe podcast, we were going to call it not talking shit, but, (laughs) and, um, then I got reached out to by a company I was, I had been like working with like through like for YouTube stuff. And they had said, you know, they wanted me to do a podcast and they want more female voices on podcasts and all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to, what am I going to talk about? You know, cause my idea around a podcast is like, I don't have the amount of time to put into the podcast that I see most people doing and friends of mine had a podcast and like, that was kind of their main thing. Right. So I got advice from friends and they kind of just reminded me like, Brooke, you don't, you're not, you're not starting. It's like, I don't need it to be a specific topic or it doesn't need to be so I have these parameters and like clear and concise because I already have a following. So really, if I thought of it more as like, it's just another op- mother, another platform where I'm able to share more information where people that already enjoy, you know, knowing what I have going on in my life or listening to our ridiculous conversations sometimes that they, then they can just have that. So that's what we did. You know, we, we signed a contract for one year and we've been doing it for a long time now. Um, and it was this, you know what, if we suck and people are like, you guys suck, we don't want to listen to you. You actually are making us feel more dumb. Uh, then that's what it is, but we'll try and we'll do it for a year and we'll see how it goes. And we are still doing it. <laughs> it's fun. We, um, the, what I hear from people, we get people to email, email in all the time. We have male and female listeners. I have men that, you know, um, have, I've been, you know, at the airport lounge, I, I was up there with my mom and we were flying home and I had had a pretty rough day, but this guy came up to me and he said, you know, he didn't want to bother me. This right here for you guys, this is why I keep trying. I keep trying, right? Because we all have things that happen in our personal life that like makes you want to not, you know? And, um, oh my God, I might cry. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I get it. But he just, he had mentioned to me, you know, he said that I, because of our podcast, like I got him through one of the hardest moments in his life. And I just had no idea. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm just trying to do the best I can and lift people up the best I can. And sometimes I may not do the best job. And so I'm trying to do, be better, like be a better human. And so things like that is like, that's why I do it. That's why you do it. That's why I keep trying. Even when I feel like, why am I still trying? Right. 
Right. So, is anybody listening to me? Is anybody, am I just, or like, or do I have, or do I have like, is, is am I, if, is who I am enough to, to leave a really positive impact on people to impact like, people's lives. Well, we, I have loved this conversation so, so much. I want to have you back on the show and we need to talk more off yeah, the show, Yeah. Um, but we have two minutes left. So I need to ask you, what does it mean to you to be a fearlessly authentic person? Well, um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like constructing this super well, so this might be a little all over the place, <laughs> but I think that to be a fearlessly authentic person, it just means never giving up on trying, you know, and showing yourself grace along the way. And it takes some serious balls to put yourself out there. It is for me every day. You're going to make me cry now. I know. Well, you kick serious ass. You really do. And it's been I adore you. I'm so glad we got to talk and I have so much respect for you and congratulations on all the success you've had, because I know you're never going to stop and you're never going to stop helping people and being who you are. So how do people get in touch with you? Yeah. You guys can find me on Instagram, just at Brooke Entz. Um, You have a YouTube channel. Uh, You can type in my name probably, but it's also under it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it makes, and then E-N-C-E instead of S-E-N-S-E. Um, you can check out my training program on our Instagram page, uh, Naked Training Program. I also have stuff linked on my Instagram page too. So if it's easier to do it that way. Also, I do, if any of you are, uh, we, we will talk again. In fact, Jody, you should come on my podcast. You'd, you'd love it. It's a wrap. All right. Devin um, and I kind of already talked yeah. about it. So we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, if you I, are interested, oh yeah. If, if any of you are interested in, staying connected with me and with AJ on the stuff we're, we're really working towards on decentral help helping, you know, be another player in helping decentralize food supply. Cause n- no one person can do it. No one, you know, uh, <laughs> mission can do it. We we're all trying to do it, but you can check out feed the people by the people.com. Um, feed the people is what I really want, but that website is, <laughs> it's a lot of money, uh, but feed the people.com feedthepeoplebythepeople.com. You can put in your email. And we also have a, we're using the um, discord platform for helping through their step, you know, organize people by state they live in, um, helping get them information on producers and all of those things, doing the best Amazing. we can while our app is still getting ready to launch. So Wonderful. we're trying to help before, you know, start helping people right yes. away. Yeah. Yes. Brooke Entz, thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic. And until next week, everybody, go live your most fearlessly authentic life. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.